0: Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thanks so much for joining in, guys. Episode 211 today with Mr. Ricky Nixon. Uh, Most people will know Ricky. Uh, Very well-known player manager. Managed lots of... uh, Uh, incredible AFL talents over the years Um, and um, yeah it was also a great footballer actually back in the day uh, playing um, for three clubs uh, originally from uh, Country Victoria from Bendigo so we're gonna have a bit of a yak about all that and his upbringing there and uh, you know uh, I guess uh, more importantly Ricky over the last decades had um, quite a bit of turbulence in his life he's sort of uh, uh, you know made a few mistakes and um, and basically, uh, had to get his life back on track after uh, you know issues with drugs and alcohol and um, everything in between. So we're going to have a good talk about that. You know his biggest life lessons today, which I think would be really valuable and important to everyone out there listening, and uh, what he's trying to do now to, uh, I suppose, keep his life on track and uh, and keep himself physically and mentally well. So um, really uh, grateful for Rick to come on and have a chat with me today, and I'm sure it's going to be. Uh, Uh, a very important conversation which will help a lot of people so I really uh, encourage you to share it Um, if you'd like to help us out with the Outback Vine Foundation I'd really appreciate that if you'd like to do a fundraiser in your community uh, really grateful for that too Uh, we want to do more work throughout regional Australia to be able to uh, help men to take a proactive approach to their mental health and also do some domestic violence prevention because it's uh, a problem that's not going away so uh we want to try and do more in that space if you'd like to get us into your workplace please reach out best email is support at if you'd like to make a donation please go to the website outbackmind.org.au hope you uh, enjoy the chat g'day rick g'day how are you mate very good very good uh really grateful for the for the chat mate and um good to talk to someone else from uh from country victoria and i think we've got a bit of a common bond and, and a lot in common and uh you're a few years older than me, but just uh, I remember, like how strong that footy league was there when I was a young fella. The Bendigo and Ballarat leagues, and we used to have interleague games against uh, you know some of them. And um, yeah, mate, it'd be just uh, be good to hear your um, uh, I suppose a bit about your journey as a young fella growing up in Bendigo.
1: Yeah, well, I guess you know. Firstly, thanks for having me on, But and I know we're going to discuss as we go through today, um, you know, I guess, wellness of people, etc. but as soon as you were talking about things then, straight away I started smiling because <laughs> my grandmother used to take me to watch Chuka play Sanders yeah. at the QEO in Bendigo. 15,000 people mm, were there. Mm, They'd be lucky to get 15 people there now. Mm, and, mm. you know, growing up in, the, in Bendigo with uh, Diesel Williams, Carlton, Brandlow medalist, you know, I don't think I've ever, well, I was very lucky. I had a very happy upbringing and great family. And, you know, the memories are, are fantastic.
0: Mm, yeah, mate. Um, here you're right, like uh, uh, Echuca is now uh, in the Golden Valley League. Ah. Yeah, they are. The Bendigo League was
1: arguably as strong as the VFL back in, the Back in, I'm talking in the 70s. Um, you know, the players like Ron Best, who never played VFL or AFL, you know, he kicked 50, 100 goals 15 times. Mm. Uh, just a superstar. And Tony Southgate was probably the best footballer I've ever seen. He played only 12 games of VFL with Carlton, but they, they wouldn't let him wear his glasses back in those days. Um, so he said, stuff you, and went back and played the Golden Square, and yeah. um, yet today... Um, Mason Cox is allowed to wear them in the AFL.
0: Yeah, oh mate, you know, and that's the thing. See, there were so many great players uh, from from the country that just didn't like the city back then. You know, it wasn't. That's accessible. right. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And there wasn't the money back then. That there was probably as much money to play for Golden Square as there was to play for Carlton back in those days.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't worth it. We had. Uh, we had some great players up around Horsham. Um, you know. Oh, was, yeah. yeah, like we had the Morgans from out of Rapania, They were both brilliant cricketers and footballers, but just yep. weren't interested in leaving the farm, you know. So,
1: Yep. I think, too, one of the biggest things that I, I think is uh, being critical of the AFL development over the years has been when they changed their zoning. Mm. You know, I think they really should go back to zoning. You know, divide Australia up into 18 different areas. And, you know, obviously clubs like West Coast Eagles need to have Perth you know area uh, mm. divided with Fremantle, but you know it'd be great again to see richmond uh, have the horshams you know swan hill area Mildura mm. area, and carlton to have the bendigo area again the kids then can aspire yeah a yep. bit,
0: you know. oh mate um, I, I agree but also it actually makes them focus on uh, the development in that area rather than just that's right and that's what's there, lacking
1: yeah. Yeah, you know, the good old days, we used to do footy clinics. I can remember Robert Walls coming to, and Jeff Southby coming up to Bendio, and, and you know, they're the memories as a kid growing up that you, you always have, but kids don't have that opportunity these days to see Dustin Martin mm. or to see Nat Fife, you know.
0: Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Right. no, that's it, mate. No, it was amazing. And, and you're right, love, we used to get huge crowds to games just like what, uh, what you did, and it was just tremendous, you know, to be able to go there yeah. as a young fella and not have any distractions mm. other than... Be uh, you know entrenched in what was going on in the environment you're in rather than looking at a device or something like that, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely,
0: mate. Yep. Um, so, sure. so you were a pretty good uh, footballer as a young fella. Uh, what was it that? Um, oh, I suppose when, when when was it when you sort of got picked up like 15, 16, or a bit <laughs> of I remember that?
1: I was in grade five, I think it was, um, and gun football at school. I was I hadn't played any football uh, apart. Sorry, I was playing football at school, but wasn't playing junior football. And he said, uh, I must have had some sort of talent because all the kids wanted me to come and join the under 12 team. And they, they, they actually paid me with a Sunny Boy. I'll never forget. That was my first contract in football. They gave me a free Sunny Boy for coming out. It cost five cents, I think, back in those days.
0: Uh, they had a, uh, an orange Sunny Boy from memory, they were too. So, okay. uh, yeah, they were, orange
1: Sunny Boy. And I went to Golden Square. And even my dad, my dad's never played football, ironically, in his life. He said, uh, I can always remember the first training session I took you to, thinking, oh he won't know what he's doing, and you were just dominating all the kids there. <laughs> there you
0: <laughs> can. So you just were natural. And, and could you use both sides of your body? Yeah, well, um, the first year
1: I played, I won the league medal, uh, like the Bramlow medal in junior footy up there. Um, but Diesel Williams came when I about two years after I'd started junior footy, and he came from Melbourne. His family moved to Bendio. And I'll never forget, he said, Rick, Let's let's kick on our left foot and handle on our left-hand side for three months at training. And if we make a mistake, you've got to do 10 push-ups. And I think kids these days don't get told that sort of stuff, mm, do they? No, um, yeah. And that's why Dee's all so good with his hands and his feet both sides. Um, and, you know, my, my skills were you – know, I was lucky that he, he directed me that way. Mm,
0: well, he, um, he gave you uh, direction and purpose and um, – and that commitment, you know, if you just keep uh, that repetition up, it's amazing what uh, what the body does. And obviously, he was so, uh, uh, I suppose, centres as, as an individual. You know, he could uh, just yeah. you know use his body really well. And if you're able to learn someone like that, you know, how uh, how lucky were
1: you? Yeah, like even Tony Southcombe got us to go to the famous One Tree Hill out in Spring Valley in Bendigo, and he got us. He said, "Well, I got to make you the two fittest boys. If you want to play VFL footy, you got to be the two fittest kids in Australia." So I went out there and I'll never forget, I ran straight up the hill the first night because I was a little athletics champ and took Red 28 days to get to the top.
0: Really? And when he
1: got to the top, he said, Rick, why do you always run to the top of the hill? And I said, that's where Tony told us to run to. And he goes, but you're better than that. So the next day I ran up the hill and nine kilometres around the bush tracks back to my parents' house and did that for 18 months and Carlton recruited me ahead of Diesel. And that was Carlton's first mistake in football. <laughs> really?
0: Unbelievable. I never yeah. knew that. So, So Diesel went to Sydney first, is that right?
1: No, he went to Geelong. He actually Geelong. sent a letter to Tom Hasting and asked him to rookie him. He got knocked back by Carlton four times, um, and they rookie him at Geelong, and he actually won the club best and first in his first year. And then he went to Sydney. I think after two years at Geelong, he went to Sydney and then back to Carlton.
0: Jeez, mate, incredible, isn't it? But, you know, he had the work ethic early, didn't he? And, you know, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so that's, that's so great to see, you know, young kids from country Victoria that have actually just got that discipline. They mightn't have the talent per se or the, the body size, but they just keep showing up and working hard, you know, a bit like Jake Lloyd, uh, yeah. you know, just just keeps having a crack and all of a sudden, you know, the results come from that.
1: Yeah, well, look, I think that, well, Diesel when he got put in the uh, Bendigo League Hall of Fame. Um, when he was on stage he was being interviewed he said that what made him so good was actually the, the knockbacks when he was young yeah. and yeah, it was quite funny because um, I was sitting in the crowd and he said "And my biggest motivation is when your best mate Ricky Nixon gets a game ahead of you that's the best motivation I've ever had
0: <laughs> unbelievable. it was pretty funny are you still in contact with him today?
1: yeah I am and you know he's um, had unfortunately he's had his problems with um, concussion and memory loss and and um uh, it's actually motivated me. I've got a mobile medical business now, where we go out and do health checks at businesses all around Australia, or Victoria in particular. And um, you know, we go to Warrunga, we go to Bendigo, have a contract with Racing Victoria, where we go to the races and then health check their staff through skin laser skin checks. Where am I going with this? Uh, two weeks ago, I landed the first ever uh, health department approved concussion testing machine, mm. which tests your brain functionality. Um, And it's absolutely, been inundated with people wanting to get tested. And, you know, it's going to be pretty big. Hopefully the government gets behind it um, with some funding over Christmas and we'll be travelling all around uh, country areas uh, testing people um, before it's too late. And unfortunately for some players it is too late because what happens with concussion is when you get knocked out and you're 20 years old, you think you're okay in a couple of weeks. And then when you get to about 40, 50 years of age, you deteriorate overnight, basically. Mm. Um, but if you can get neurological, neurological rather, right? um, brain work done early days, um, then it can help a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> mate, firstly, congratulations for, for for doing that and coming up with something. But um, look, there's, there's probably hundreds of uh, guys out there that have um, you know had... Um, some form of, um, I suppose, experience with concussion uh, over the journey, yep. and uh, you know, um, geez, you know, Richard Osborne's been on this, and uh, and he yep. obviously kind of copped it pretty bad. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, I think that early intervention is uh, is really important.
1: Yeah, it sure is, and you know, it's it's. Whilst I'd love to be able to help Diesel, unfortunately, the the condition. Look, he's in a good space at the moment, and he's feeling a lot happier and. You know, he's travelling okay, but still, you can't change once a memory goes. Mm. You can't just click your finger and take a tablet and make it better. But if you get on to an early stage, yes. um, there are certain things re- rehab wise they can do now mm. that uh, the experts I'll be handing people on to.
0: Yeah, amazing, mate. Um, yeah. i tell you what, his brother John Williams was one of the most frightening people <laughs> I've ever met.
1: Yeah, oh, look, he was an amazing, he was just this powerful beast who used to catch the footy in every pack back in the day. Mm-hmm. I actually always remember we used to go to the disco at the pub in Bendigo and we'd go back, you'd go back to the cinema in Bendigo afterwards at midnight and there'd be all these street fights and he was the king. Mm-hmm. People used to come from Ballarat and Geelong to have a fight with him to see if they could beat him in the street and he'd just beat them all up.
0: I can imagine, mate. You wouldn't oh, see that
1: happen these days <laughs>
0: no, absolutely not But, uh, yeah, he's one one guy that, uh, you know, you just you just admired He was like uh, yeah. Rene Kink, the Hulk bloody, He was uh, very you know, similar just, to just him, Just yeah. an incredible, uh, incredible human, you know So, amazing mate yeah. yeah, you've got to be grateful for the upbringing in Bendigo I would have thought for sure
1: Yeah, look, as I said, great memories And I love, you know, when I speak every weekend at, around Australia At footy clubs and that and I talk about, you know, the wellness and happiness if ever you're down and out, and it worked for me, is go back to your teenage years. My grandmother said to me, of all people, um, said, Ricky, what, you, what, what you've got to do is get out of bed at 5 o'clock every morning and go for a walk. I said, why do I need to do that? She said, I'll tell you why, because you used to get up at 4.30 every morning when you were 11 till you were 16 and do a paper round in Bendigo, mm. and you used to listen to ABBA on your earphones, and you were the happiest boy in Australia. So then I, that's what changed my life about six, seven years ago. I started getting up at five o'clock every morning. Even if I've had a late night, I still get up at five o'clock, six o'clock, go for a walk, a jog, and I listen to ABBA. And I know everyone who's listening to this will be laughing, but listen to the music that makes you happy. Yes. It doesn't matter which band or person it is. And um, you know, and then I found the hill to climb, uh, which took me 28 days to get up to the top.
0: <laughs> mm, unbelievable. That's a payback, mate.
1: Yeah, that's it. Tell me,
0: uh, but there's something really pivotal and important in that, Rick, is that time in the morning early is time that you can connect with yourself and when you can move your physical body, like all the chemistry in the body and the brain starts to shift, you know, and if you wake up with a stuck negative mindset, then that can continue on throughout the day and you're looking for outside influence. But if you can sort of sweep that early, I think that makes a huge difference the way you, uh, you take yourself into the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And six weeks ago, I think it was, I... A, I won't say what it was. A slight medical drama, and I, I was told to put some ointment on a certain wound I had, and um, uh, by the doctor. And after two weeks, it was still there. And I mm. googled that if you eat fruit, it'll go away. In fact, I can say what it was. I had a hemorrhoid, mm. and um, I thought and I haven't eaten a lot of fruit in my life. In fact, that you know, I, I would go three or four months without having any fruit. So I started having a mandarin, a banana, a pineapple. Um, pro, probiotic yogurt and tuna and mayonnaise with corn every morning. And mm-hmm. I cannot believe the change in my brain yes. for the last couple of weeks. It's, and it's not rocket science, what we're talking about as. Yep.
0: Um,
1: but you know, sometimes you just need someone to tell you sometimes to change your habits. Made, like that.
0: Uh, the body's smarter than you you know and if there's if there's evidence and there's something showing up there's a reason for that you know yeah
1: uh, yeah correct
0: and if you can give the body what it needs to uh to work properly again then it will you know you'll always get feedback and you'll get evidence for that uh from that but uh probably really our, our ego gets in the way we just want to eat too much steak or whatever and that that'll cause uh you know some imbalance
1: yeah absolutely and um you know, as I said, sometimes um, we all need a bit of a kick in the backside and that's what my health check business does is, you know, a lot of elderly guys we deal with are smokers and drinkers and good on them that they want to enjoy their life, but sometimes it's, you need a little bit of a wake-up call and that's what these health checks do. Mm,
0: good on you, mate. No, good, good to see. Interesting with your footy career as a player like you. Did you sort of have a good run when you sort of got into it? I know you sort of were at three clubs, but uh, what was probably the best period uh, that you had sort of as a player?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, people always talk about my player management career more than my footy career, but I was in mark of the year and goal of the year twice, and I've got the second longest kick in football history, mm. which was uh, nearly, uh, I think it was 90 metres uh, at Moorabbin one day. Um, but I actually was a bit unfortunate, but I don't regret playing all that, but I was 69 kilos playing in the 80s against 120-kilo bikes, and I missed Mm -hmm. nearly, I think it was 140 games with injury, had a broken ankle, knee reconstruction, two shoulders, um, because I was just a skinny little prick, you know, athletic, but if you played today, I think my career would have been a lot different, because it's more of an athletic event today, which doesn't really inspire me, to be honest, but um, Mm. I'd rather watch a more physical game. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, those guys. Or the
1: one-on-one contest I'd rather see than this going backwards, round around circles, and I was talking to someone at the AFL the other day, and he said, give us your honest honest opinion, Rick, of footy today, I said, I reckon it's terrible to watch, but don't get me wrong, Geelong, the way they play, fast through the middle, scoring with two key forwards, it's old-time footy, and it's the best to watch. Mm but this going around in circles and backwards. And they said, well, what's the answer? I said, the answer is this. Don't, allow, don't let them go backwards. Let the, the ball has to go forward all the time like every other sport. Yes.
0: Yes, yes. that's true. Well, yeah, there could be a big lesson in that. You know, if you, get, uh, you go backwards, you get penalised, you know.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, I think you can't probably – handballing would be hard to uh, judge sometimes going backwards. But if, you just say you can't kick backwards or if you kick backwards, it's play on. There's no, there's no kicking back and marking it and, and it, you know, you go back and take your kick sort of thing. It's got to be play on. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, that's true, yeah. mate. Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely methodology in that. If you look at uh, rugby as, as an example, yep. uh, you know, they don't really bend the rules too much. They're very strict with the way they no. go about it and that, that is more... You know, well, look not, at
1: soccer. Soccer hasn't yeah. changed its rules in 100 years. Yes, yeah. You know, um, and yet we change ours every second
0: week. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, there's a lot in that and definitely... Yeah. Um, being up in this in this area that I'm in now, rugby is obviously the dominant sport, but it's actually like yep. really refreshing to watch because it is combat, you know. I
1: agree. I, I watch more probably rugby than AFL these days. Mm. I mean, most weekends I'm at local footy around Australia, and you know I like watching the local footy because it's a little bit still old school, but then. I remember going to a game and I was listening to the coaches going, we've got to go backwards, we've got to put pressure on, you know, got to get the players around the ball. And I'm thinking, oh, this is making the game ugly. And they're doing it at local level now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, there's young thinkers coming in now and it's not like the old school coaches like we had in the old days, mate. You know, you don't see see many blokes in their 50s and and, and over that, you know, coaching sides anymore. It's all young fellas.
1: Correct, yeah, absolutely. Mm. No, you're
0: right. Mate, um, so with regards to playing... Uh, I reckon the St Kilda nightclub, uh, or whatever it was back there at the uh, at the at the at would have been pretty uh, pretty um uh, participated by yourself back in the day.
1: Yeah, it was pretty legendary. The St Kilda, uh, the old social club, I think you'd call it, but it was the biggest nightclub in Australia and very popular. Mm. And of course, in those days, I was my idol growing up. Even though I played at Carlton, and originally I was a St Kilda supporter, and my idol growing up was Trevor Barker, mm. who was an absolute legend captain and uh i don't know he'd have 20 women around him every night and everyone loved him and um unfortunately he left us when he was 37 years old from cancer so um but he was just an amazing person and uh that St kilda nightclub was all based around him i think
0: mm, you were there at the time like you were in that era yes yeah i played
1: with him and um uh, yeah, just, it was a great time to play with. I was very lucky, played with him and Tony Lockett, with Stuart Lowe and Nicky Winmar, and great players like that. I mean, how we didn't win a flag, I'm not really sure. I know that when we, people would probably be amazed at what I'm about to say, but the most watched game of football on Fox footy is the St Kilda Geelong elimination final in 1991, I think it was, or 92. That's when Tony Lockett kicked 10 goals or 9 goals and Billy Brownless kicked 8 or 9. Mm. And it was old school footy and Winmar and going against Gary Hocking and, you know, these great players. And um, it was just an amazing game. a long run by a goal, but I still to this day, unfortunately for St Kilda, we lost Nathan Burke and David Grant in the first quarter, thanks to Gary Ablett knocking them out. And we only back in those days, you only had two interchange. And I'm one of four players who first game of the year was like that final. So I wasn't super fit coming on in the first quarter, so uh, it wasn't. i would never forget how stuffed I was in the last quarter. I can tell. Mm,
0: amazing, mate. I'm going
1: to think it that have never look at it. Yeah, um, no, it was a great game. If people watch it, go on to YouTube, put in St Kilda Geelong elimination final in '91 or '92, and have a watch. You'll be just, you know, you'll be glued to the to, uh, to your computer or whatever for the whole night.
0: Yeah, how lucky were we sort of coming through that era, you know, like 70s, 80s and 90s and some of the good stuff that went on then?
1: Oh, look, you know, it was an amazing period. I mean, you know, just such great characters. And one of my best mates is Warwick Capper. And you look at someone like John Elliott, who's no longer with us either, but President of Carlton. John Elliott got me my start in um, sports management. Um, He basically said to me, Rick, I I asked him what what he thought of me going into player management. He said, Mate, I, I, I was a school phys ed teacher at Kerry Grammar and he said, look, Rick, I'll tell you what, mate, I'll give you 10 grand and back you in um, just in case you can't pay yourself the first month. Well, luckily for me, I found a guy, Wayne Jerry, the first week I started, so I didn't need his 10 grand, but mm. I'll never forget the support he gave me in such a character of the game. Mm,
0: yeah, amazing, mate. You don't see that anymore because everyone's uh, too shit scared about uh, uh, the way that yeah. they behave. <laughs> you know, he didn't care at all.
1: Well, as I said, um, like back in the day when I created the famous Club 10, which was Tony Lockett, you know, uh, Jason Dunstall, Gary Ablett, Wayne Carey, um, Greg Williams, uh, Glenn Jakovich from West Coast Eagles, Gavin Wanganeen, all these sort of players. I say to people, what 10 players could you name today that were better than any of them? Mm. I, I don't think you could. I mean, I know Dustin Martin's got a fantastic uh, uh, record in big games, but... You probably wouldn't say he was better than Diesel Williams or whatever.
0: Mm, yeah, mate. It's, um, it's interesting. I was thinking before, how the hell did you make a, a living as a, as a player manager? Did you, did you just basically negotiate contracts, take a percentage of that, and that sort of kept your business going?
1: Yeah, you take a percentage of their playing contract, but where I made my big money was you get three percent of their playing contract and twenty percent of their marketing or media deals. And there was this show that started called the Footy Show with Eddie McGuire and Sam Newman, yeah. and I had players on there every week who were getting like fifteen hundred dollars a week back in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, that'd be the equivalent of five grand today or more. Yeah. Um, And um, so I was lucky a a company called Foxtel just started as well And they signed a million dollar deal with me to um, Because Optus, people don't know Optus had the AFL rights in the early uh, mid-90s And um, so Foxtel signed Club Ten up And had basically had Gary Ablett and Matthew Richardson All these players at Foxtel And all the public thought Foxtel had the football But they actually didn't But they paid us a million dollars for it
0: Incredible, mate. Yeah, that's yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, good on John Elliott for seeing something he knew that he actually thought uh, was relevant. And player management was probably, uh, you know, a new thing uh, back then. You know, a lot of these guys, particularly yeah. from the country, went in there and they they became lost as individuals because they had no one um, sorting them out. And, um, you know, lots of uh, lots of guys from, from uh, you know, my area sort of went down there and they came back sort of reasonably broken men and depressed men because they probably never made it, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I wasn't the first player manager. There was a couple before me in the sort of 80s, but they were accountants who we just did footy contracts. Mm. What I did that was got me started was I, uh, my dad made me a, a handball target, about six foot high, wooden one, and I took it out to um, uh, one of the shopping centres with Wayne Carey and someone else, and we did a handball competition, got paid $400. They got $100 each and I got 100 and Wayne Carey went back to North Melbourne and said, I just earned $100 off the field. I had about 40 players ring me that night wanting to sign with me because mm-hmm. no one had earned money off the field. Yes. So that's where I made my mark. I, I earned, There wasn't a player, I don't think, that ever paid me less than, I uh, sorry, more than what I earned him off the field. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty lucky like that. But um, uh, what was amazing was I got a phone call from Maya, and this is what's kickstarted me, uh, Maya the store, and said, um, Rick, Uh, Could you do a handball competition for us? We've got a new sports department in the basement. If we can get 500 people here, um, we might even look at doing it in other stores around Merlin. So I got Wayne Kerry and Gary Abbott there. Guess how many people turned up?
0: Probably a couple of
1: thousand. 5,000 people turned up. And um, that was was just like the Beatles, Beatles mania. And um, they rang me the next day and said, Rick, we want you to do uh, all our stores around Australia. I said, well, how many is that? And they go, oh, eighty. have got 83 stores. I've gone, oh, my God. So I hung up the phone and said, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. I hung up the phone. God, how am I going to do this? But it set me up. So it was mm. great fun back in those days. Oh,
0: mate, amazing. It was. It was salt of the earth uh, entertainment, wasn't it? You know, uh, oh, it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just pretty simple but uh, so engaging.
1: Well, these days you've got social media. and you know, you got to remember back in those days, to get a photo, with Wayne Carey or Gary Ablett or someone like that, you know, that's what kids would go drive 100 kilometres to get a photo. These mm-hmm. days they can just take a photo off the internet or, you know, all sorts of things and ways of doing it. But to meet your idols um, and get a photo with them back in those days or get a jumper signed or a footy signed. Or in those days, most kids had a, a jacket and you'd sign the back of their jacket or their jumper or something yes. like that. Yes. It was great, guys. I that's for sure. That,
0: yeah, well, we definitely need to... Not, not forget them and, uh, and they're the foundation, you know, of, of who we are. And, you know, we've got to be really grateful yeah. for that. So, um, yeah. mate, with regards to, to moving through everything, like, um, you know, you had this sort of success going on and, and obviously things started to sort of, you know, flip around a bit probably in the sort of uh, early 2000s and probably around 2010 and so forth for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, I went through a period where and I'm not making excuses, I'm not into that, and I'm not about that that much interested in going back in things time, but to get the story across the line, um, you know, I guess when you you top two clients, uh, certain things happen, um, which I don't want to go into publicly again, but, you know, I was in a state of, uh, you know, I was staying at the office till 2 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 5 again, going back to the office tw- 7 days a week, you know, not watching my kids play footy, not getting home, started drinking, started doing a certain drug, and it was always going to end in tears. I, I probably knew at the time it was going to end in tears. And, um, you know, it's, it's not the story that people, the media portray. Mm. And finally next year, it looks like I'm going to get my saved. by... Uh, in fact, I just had a, a call in with some film producers who want to do a film or documentary on my life. Mm. Um, so the truth's going to finally come out, and I think people will be amazed at what the truth is.
0: Yeah, mate, my observation is, um, look, you know, you probably went through a, a, a period of depression and then that depression uh, you were trying to sort out through work and, uh, and you know, you were, you were basically, you know, really, really fatigued as an individual possibly and that sort of like led from like going from one stimulant to the other and then sort of going, getting on this merry-go-round of just losing that connection with yourself.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Look, it's not rocket science again, but lack of sleep... Um, is you know, the biggest thing that changes you, that your whole health mm. and, and, and your brain. And when your brain is uh, dehydrated and it's shrinking because you're not sleeping, um, then you know the inevitable is going to happen. But I always say this every week when I speak, stand up in the room if you've never made a mistake. Yes. And for that matter, think about the worst thing you've ever done if that was front page of the newspaper for four years. And, you know, the media... I don't know why they've got an attraction to me because they know i probably react every time, but mm. they follow me around everywhere and, you know, they make a story out of going through a stop sign by a millimetre. But um, these days, um, I'd have to say I'm at the point in my life where I'm just about over it all and um, we've bought a house in Mount Gambier mm. and I'm pretty keen to spend a lot of time there next year. Yeah, mate. Good
0: on you. How are you getting back Good. to the... Uh, to the regional roots, which I think is really important. But um, but mate, you, you're you right, like I, I see the way the media behave with compassion because really they're just chasing bloody little bits of glory for themselves, which... Ah, um,
1: oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at this time round, when there was an incident a couple of months ago where the media were told to leave the front of my house for three hours and they refused to and then someone pushes me in the back as I'm walking down the footpath, a media commentator. Mm. Um, the support I've had in the community has been amazing. And, you know, even an old older lady bailed me up in Coles the other day and said, Ricky, Next time that happens, you ring me and I'll come over and I'll bash them for you. <laughs> and I started laughing and everyone, everyone overheard her because she was sort of not yelling but speaking loudly. And and I, I turned around, and everyone was laughing in the supermarket and uh, coming up and patting her on the back. And it was actually it was actually really good what oh, she said,
0: mate. That, that that's yeah. the old lady from Bendigo, you know. That's that's yeah, probably. that's what what's that, that's the soul of the earth. People that uh, that really yeah. will uh, you know go to war with you. And um, when we see this bullshit behavior, uh, you know, that goes on. And let's look at it. Like you know, when we were kids, there was maybe a couple of couple of media channels in the bush. But now there's so many, and they're all trying to get uh, a story and attention. You've actually yeah, just absolutely. got to like feel sorry for them. If you feel sorry for them, I think it just puts their uh, their uh, methodology out out of whack. You know, because yeah, yeah. it's just it's just uh, become a disgrace the way uh, they behave.
1: I think the good thing that I I like is. Older early people that I speak to regularly every day now realise that the news is not news anymore, it's just clickbait. Yes. Everything's designed for you to have an opinion on something. So whatever the story is today about Dan Andrews, the Premier, or Matthew Guy, it's always about opinion, 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 opinion. And if you look at social media, 90% of people who respond to um, news or media stuff, it's all hate, Yes, and because they hate what's being said, or they hate the person, or, or whatever, and you know, I really feel for our kids, you know, what the future is going to be the next 20 or 30 years because we've really got to get hold of this social media and we've got to stop people having fake accounts and hating on people and
0: stuff like that. Yeah, mate. Uh, and that's, um, you know, in its essence, uh, fear. Fear is where, you know, they're trying to push us. Uh, once yep. once you're in fear, you're in control and, and fear, yep. you know, breeds uh, you know, interest and and breeds fear in other people. You know, but the, the more we can disconnect to, uh, from that, the better. You know, I just yeah, think that's yeah. so important. But but you did have a like a really genuine uh, mate that was in the media, um, and I really admired. I uh, listened to this guy Clinton Greaves years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, look, services. It was when my um, career went started to go downhill. Was actually the the day he died. Uh, he was 32 years of age he'd come to my office four days before he died he he had a split eye he had a um said half his ear was hanging off I'm like what's wrong mate what have you done and he said oh, i don't know so we went back to his unit he lived on the 27th floor of a high-rise building in flinders street and uh city road rather right in the center of melbourne and um we saw blood on the balcony of his of his uh, apartment and i said mate looks like you've been sleepwalking and hit your head or something anyway he said oh they found me four days ago, Rick, at uh, 3 a.m. in the morning, out near the lift, sound asleep. I said, that's weird, mate. You've got to go to the doctor. Unbeknown to us, he had a brain tumour. That's what the coroner felt. And um, at 32, died in his sleep. Mm. And that's when my... I just... I, like, I'm trying to cope with Wayne Carey and Gary Ablett problems, and then, you know, your number one client at the time, Clinton Gribas. When he started, he was earning... When I recruited him, he was earning $30,000, calling the basketball on the ABC. Within... um i said i'll get you 300 grand within two years he goes wow really i got him a million dollars within six months he was the face of foxtel he was uh rex Sun's right hand man and he died at 32 it was just mm. i'm just getting a tear in my eye just even talking about it now
0: yeah mate yeah he was on the radio a bit too i think from memory because we used to listen to him uh, you know back in the bush a bit and uh you, you can tell someone when they're genuine. And, you know, there was genuine oh, people yep. in the media back there, yep. there. The amount of
1: people who comment to me that, you know, Rex Hunt is a good friend. He's an interesting character and very out there, and that's Rex. But yep. Clinton was just the perfectionist and just called the footy. You, you, you could listen to him and go, I know exactly where the ball is. I know exactly what's happened by the way he described it. And he was he was unique. And we're never going to sit here and or see another Clinton driver, so mm, No,
0: Amazing, mate. And, you know, there's, there's, there's talent outside of, you know, being on the field, you know. There's people uh, that, that have got this, this incredible ability to be able to um, articulate football that probably weren't great players, you know, but just had a real passion for the game. And, you know, someone like that, that, um, uh, you know, probably wasn't a, a great footballer, just had a great, um, you know, insight into the way it yeah. uh, was actually going um, going on. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a gift in itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're right.
0: Mm, very unique. Yeah, mate. Uh, well, it's probably been a decade since he's passed, but, um, you know, I just, um, yeah, congratulate you for, for, you know, still still holding him close to your heart and, and, and moving forward, you know.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, we've had a – and Shane Warne was a good friend of mine who passed earlier this year, is that sometimes you just don't know what the underlying health problems you might have. Um, and that's what motivated me. Danny Frawley, one of my best mates, you know, suiciding, has motivated me on the concussion side of things and the health check side of things because mm. if I can save one life today, that's one less person, that's or one less family, sorry, that's not going to suffer because someone's passed because they didn't know they had a problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and mate, like the whole journey has taken you to, to, to this moment. This is your purpose, I believe, you know, to be able to actually do this, uh, this prevention work, which I think's... You know, going to be so key, and that's going to filter back into regional areas and get back to the roots of where you're from. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, look, it does motivate me. Just going to you know, Benalla today and seeing people, um, some ladies that you know that didn't when we went there not that long ago, they, they'd never had a health check in their life, and they were in their sixties, and we found we found a 22 year old kid. Uh, this was about 18 months ago, he had a melanoma in his arm and the the nurse came out to me basically going, Ricky, Ricky, we've got to get him to the hospital now. I said, calm down. She goes, no, 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 he'll be dead in 12 months. If we don't get this cut out, he'll be dead in 12 months. Anyway, his mum rang me and said, oh, Ricky, you saved my son's life. I said, look, I didn't save your son's life. Racing Victoria saved your son's life because they're paying... Who gets a skin check when they're 22? Mm. No
0: one.
1: Yes. So, yeah, there's some... things that are happening in this area
0: mate um let's have a have a look at it like how old are you now you'll be 60 next year won't you
1: yeah big six oh don't stop reminding me i actually said to my son the other day happy birthday how old are you now 28 he goes no dad i'm 30 i've got oh no that's making me feel real old (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) it goes quick what uh what would be the um I suppose, the, the three best things you've done in your life?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's a very interesting question. Um, oh, look, I think the, be- the best thing that it would seem a little bit strange, but um, when a- about five years ago, six years ago, I was at a friend's pub. My mate owned a pub, and he... He said, um, oh, Rick, there's a little girl downstairs. She wants to meet you. She's a mad Western Bulldog supporter. I said, yeah, no worries. I'll come down. Suddenly someone grabbed my leg and I turned around and this little girl was standing there. She was eight years old. She said, Ricky, my name's Charlotte. How are you? I said, oh, I'm good, thanks. She goes, oh, that's great. I'd barrack for the Western Bulldogs. I said, oh, that's fantastic. He goes, yeah, yeah, but I've got brain cancer. I'm going to be dead in about two months. And I went, what? And her mum and dad were looking at me, nodding their heads. I went, oh, my God. So I arranged to get Marcus Bond and Pelly to do a video for her, and then we took her to the game, a footy game. And, um, and yeah, that that changed my life. And um, well, I started a thing called Kicking for Cancer, which basically was helping kids with cancer. And I still do it. We used to run a football game, but we don't now because the media wanted to criticise that. So I just do things privately now and mm. help families with kids with cancer. Mm, right. And, um, yeah, that changed my life a fair bit, where it's not about you. Um, I always say this, and I look at Ben Cousins, who's doing really well at the moment, is people love to talk about Ben, and yes, Ben's a great friend of mine and I managed him, but it's about the pyramid and all the people underneath it, his mum, his dad, his sisters, his brothers, what they've been through, what his family's been through, what his kids have been through. You know what my kids have been through you know, through my stupidity at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you've got to, but you've got to get up tomorrow and get on with it. Mm-hmm. You can't look back and go, "Oh, well, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that." You can't change it. So you've got to get on with tomorrow and make the best you can. That's
0: it, mate. Amazing. That is that is one. Were are a couple of other things that you are that you're really proud of. Oh,
1: def- definitely the football side of it. Um, you know, I guess you know, t- what, just talking today about some of the things we're talking about in management and all that, I, I guess I'm not really a person who's ever looked back and gone, wow, I did this, I did that. But now that I'm getting older, you sort of do look at the wall in the dining room of my house and there's, you know, you look at it go, wow, that was a great time back then. And, you know, and it was, it was really exciting times. I went to America. The AFL actually sent me to America and set me up with the basketball, gridiron, baseball meetings. And, um, you know, when I came back to Australia and started stuff, it was like every day your adrenaline was just pumping. It was just so exciting. You know, I'm getting calls. In fact, I'll quickly tell this story. It's one of the funniest footy stories ever. I'll shorten it up, though. <laughs> yeah, so I used to have a private line in my office, and it rang one day. It was four players. And I said, hello. This voice goes, G'day, Rick. It's Gary Ablett. And I didn't manage Gary Ablett. I said, yeah, sure it is, and hung up. Then it rang again. He goes, Rick, it really is Gary Ablett. I've gone, what do you want? He goes, oh, I heard you made Wayne Carey 100 grand last year off the field. I said, yeah, so? And he goes, well, if you can make me 100 grand, I'll sign with you for 10 years. I said, Gary, I'll get you 100 grand in three months. He goes, oh, you're the best. I'll sign now. So I hung <laughs> up and went, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? I swear this is true. My phone rang. And um, it was my receptionist. She goes, Rick, there's a guy on the phone who wants to talk to you uh, about uh, Gary Ablett. I said, really? Anyway, said, this guy said, uh, Ricky, do you manage Gary Ablett? I said, yeah, yeah, mate. I've been managing him for years. He goes, oh, great, because we can't find him anywhere. He said, um, We want to do a life size cardboard cutout of him. Would 50 grand be OK? I said, It's Gary Ablett. He said, oh, What about 100? I said, Done. <laughs> Hung up the phone, ran Gary. He goes, You're a guru. I said, oh, no, I know, I was Gary. Now, you have to be at a photo studio at 11 o'clock in North Melbourne. He lived down in Geelong, of course. On Sunday, I'll meet you there. He got there at 3 o'clock. And that's um, when I realised he wasn't the most reliable bloke on hand. Mm-hmm. And he brought Gary Jr. and Nathan, who were 11 and 12 at the time, winning. Gary was in the toilet for three hours combing his one strand of hair. And the kids were mucking around. They knocked over a light stand that smashed. And um, Gary came running out. The photographer came running in. He goes, that's it, you bloody kids, I've had enough of you. He went over to his computer and printed off a photo of Gary taking the mark of the century. He gave the two kids the photo and he said, now, piss off your kids. And the kids turned around, I'll never forget this. They said, Dad, Dad, can you sign it for us now? Have you ever asked your dad for an autograph? Gary said, no, I'm not signed it. I said, Gary, it's your own kids. Photographer, guys, that's it. I've had enough. I'm taking these two kids out of the room for three minutes. Mr. Nixon, if you don't fix this, um, I'm telling you now, it's all over. The 100 grand's off the table. I've gone, oh, no, my new BMW's off the table. And I said, Gary, why don't you sign it for your own kids? He said, I'm not signing it, Rick. I said, please, it's your own kids. He said, no, I've been up to the school three times this week. They've been bringing home footy cards. I've been signing them. They've been selling them for 70 bucks. <laughs> 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 Again, it better on... T- t- fast forward 10 years, I see Gary Jr. over in Adelaide. I was actually walking, going for a walk in the morning. This guy with a hoodie come to us. He said, g'day, chicken, that's my nickname. I said, G'day, mate. He goes, It's Gary. I said, Gary, who and he put off a hoodie? It's Gary Jr. I said, Oh, how are you, mate? He said, I've got a bone to pick with you. I said, What's so that? He goes, Stop telling this story, this crap story about us selling footy cards of our dad. And I go, oh, Why is that? He goes, It's not true. I said, It's not true. And he goes, No, definitely not. I said, Oh, I'm really sorry, mate. He goes, Yeah, we, were, we weren't getting 70 bucks. We were getting 150. What? <laughs> oh, so
0: funny. True story. Oh, yeah, mate. true story. Jesus, mate. How how good's that? And like, obviously, yeah. you know, his son uh, went on to become, you know, amazing yep. that sort of thing. And just, yeah, yep. like, oh yeah, you know, you know what, Rick? One thing that came to me then, like, you were you were in this adrenaline rush, like, consistently. Yeah. I think for a long time, what, yeah. I reckon you probably found it pretty hard to calm down.
1: Oh yeah, look, I'm, I know that I'm. A, look, one of the things I've learned over the last four or five years is you have got to learn to understand yourself. And I guess I just went along for 40 years just doing what I did and not really understanding the sort of person I was. And I know I'm an adrenaline junkie. Um I know I don't stop till I win. And that's sometimes not good. And, you know, that can be reflected sometimes badly in anger and things like
0: that. Yes, yes. Yeah. You there, mate? Sorry, mate. I lost you there. Got your back now. So, yep. so you yep. you you uh, you run into Gary. You really rated young Gary as a, as a as a fella.
1: Yeah. Look, young Gary. Um, you know, I think I remember when he was born, and Gary said, "I've named my son Gary Junior." I've got. Oh my God. Why would you do that to your kid? <laughs> think of this kid. And then in, it, it, I know Gary Junior would probably agree with me when I watched him play as a young footballer. He. He was just a little forward pocket player at junior footy and yeah look he showed a bit of talent but definitely not the how what he developed into and, and it's an amazing story that you could have a son who could who, you know i, I think call from zero four zero nine six reablett junior
0: you
1: know i it was a, a as a junior footballer, when he was born, I remember saying to his dad, why would you say, name your son Gary Jr.? Geez, you're putting him under a bit of pressure, but who would have ever guessed he'd turn out like he did? And in junior footy, he wasn't a superstar. He was a good player, but, geez, he's, he's a credit to himself the way he's developed. And, you know, I had to play. I, 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 you know, and His other son, Nathan, probably didn't like the attention, to be honest, mm. and ended his career probably. And, um, you know, they're a great family and... You know, I always say Wayne is the best footballer I've ever seen by a long way, but the most freakish player I've ever seen is Gary Ablett Senior. And if I had 10 tickets to watch them both play, I'd probably use the whole 10 on Gary Senior. Mm. You know, he was a massive draw card And people used to just go to the game to watch him play. And I, I remember Friday nights at the MCG became hugely popular because Wayne Carey dominated. And you, you might have barracked for Carlton, but you'd go and watch Wayne Carey play mm. back in the day. Yes, so, mate.
0: Oh, look, you know, but how lucky were you to be able to be up close and personal with those uh, those guys, you know? Um,
1: oh, look, yeah, it was, it was just great. And, you know, it, it probably helped that I'd played the game so I understood a fair bit about what they're going through at times. And, you know, and, and, and the coaches used to get on really well with me because would, we would take an approach, look, Rick, I've kicked uh, Gary in the backside today. Can you pat him on the back and get him in the office and just see which way he works? And yes. if he plays well on the weekend, well, not. And that, they used to, I don't think that happens these days. Uh, the coaches wouldn't be talking to player agents very often.
0: Yeah, no, that's true, mate. Yeah, well, it's very divided, isn't it? There's a lot more people involved. There's a lot more, a lot more stakeholders involved that, uh, yeah, that, that are run under a coach. You've got so many people that they're sort of, you know, in contact with and responsible for.
1: Yeah, spot on, mate. Spot on.
0: It's incredible when you look at it. Like, um, you know, speaking to a few of the guys that have been on this, like uh, around some of the the influential influential people in their lives, and you know, some of the, the the coaches that just had time for them. It didn't matter, you know, what time of day it was or whatever. Um, yep. Just to be able to, um, you know, actually have have time for each individual individual personally. I think oh. um, it was a gift itself. Yeah. Himself, yeah.
1: I think one of the things that's wrong with football these days is there's just way too many people in their ears, you know, too many coaches Too, you know, they've got HR managers at clubs and they've got, you know, people dealing on work on their performance and everything else. I mean, you know, I think one of the issues is we're loading them up with so much information and so many things in their head you know, win the footy, win the footy and kick a goal, mm. you know, and that's not not that hard to do, you know. Yeah, so and they're more worried about reading performance criteria and, you know, yes. they've got measurement things on their bodies that tell you how, track how far they've run in this quarter. And, you know, mm. it doesn't track, though, which way you have watched the ball and kicked a goal to win for your team. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's de- definitely complicated things. And, you know, yeah. like, life's been complicated a lot over the last 20, 20 years, oh, you yeah. know, so
1: amazing well, as a wise man said to me recently he said rick you know what i'm 88 years old this year he goes he goes the last 50 years he goes i'm leaving this joint shortly but the last 50 years have been bloody grass the next 50 aren't yeah, gonna be too good and <laughs> i said yeah
0: i think you're right mate yeah. you might be on the money there yeah, yeah yeah i i sort of look at my old man and uh, you know he he always said i've had a great life i've had a great life you know he's got dementia now but um Primarily, yep. uh, you know, he said, like, his upbringing and childhood was just, you know, amazing, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Just uh, no stimulation, go out and catch rabbits. Um, oh, yeah. Go yeah. out and catch a few fish and, bloody, uh, that, that kept you kept you busy and it kept you fed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind, I'll just give a little plug to this Sunday. I'm going to the Glenroy Footy Club with Dane Swan, yes. um, Greg Charles, the jockey, and Mark Eustace, former resident player, mm. to raise money for Troy Courts. Troy's got severe... Concussion stuff where he's lost his memory and um, he's in a lot of pain and headaches and everything. So if you're out around the Glenroy Footy Club way this Sunday, twelve o'clock onwards, come out and see us. All. I'll
0: definitely let people know about that, mate, for sure. That's
1: yeah, yeah. To- it's uh, it's uh, you know, no one wants to see anybody going through this, and you know, if I can help anyone who's listening in. Today, um, you know, you can contact me via Vital Health Checks.
0: Oh, mate, you know, look, uh, I think that's um, that's so you know important what you're doing, and it's getting you out into the grassroots uh, community as well. But also, yeah. uh, you're um, you know you're actually like interacting with people at the coalface, which is you know so important. And uh, to be able to do something to raise some funds and awareness for an individual that's struggling, I think that's um, that's something you need to be proud of, mate. And that that doesn't go on as much uh, as often these days as it should.
1: No, well, yeah, and as I said, it's, it's not about me, me, me. It's about it's about helping others, and, you know, we all should every day. I find if you help someone uh, every day, it's amazing how things can go your way a bit better. So mm. get out and help someone today.
0: That's what the CWA uh, ladies were trying to teach us, mate.
1: Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> might be right. <laughs> you might be right.
0: Now, Rick, uh, three, three biggest life lessons.
1: Three biggest life lessons. Oh, you're putting me on the spot now? Let me think. Well, I think we'll probably discuss most of them to some degree, but mm. it's not about you. It's about it's about the pyramid and everyone underneath you. Mm. And look, look, my partner and I, Melissa, have been together five years. You know, we had a bit of a blue last night, but you get up this morning and I kiss her on the lips and we get on with it, you know? Mm. So life lesson is simply this. Don't dwell on negativity. Don't dwell on problems of the past and everything else. Get on with your life. And, you know, be happy and smile because it's we've been through hell in Victoria for two years. We've mm. locked up, lockdowns, I've had mates lose businesses, I've had girls I know lose their jobs, etc. Um, we've got to get back to enjoying life and that's the biggest advice I can give you.
0: Mm. Yeah, mate. No, I appreciate that. Any Any regrets with regards to the almost 60 years so far?
1: Oh, no, not really. I mean, if I had my time again, I can't say that it would have been any different. Um, Apart from, I think we're all guilty of this sometimes, is we don't listen as much as we probably should. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm not the best at that, but I'm trying to get a bit better. And uh, yeah, when you do listen, it works for
0: you. Yes, that's true, mate. I agree. And, uh, you know, you've had so many great people around you your whole life. And, uh, I believe what you're doing now, mate, is is really your purpose. Everything you've been through now is taken to ta- taking you to where yeah. you are, and you're able to do some amazing things to be able to help people. And I think uh, you know the world's going to be a better place for you doing that. Um, you know, with what you've been through as an individual, but also uh, you know some of the the experiences you've had, but also you know the ability to be able to create something like a concussion testing machine which is uh needed and unique uh, is going to help change and save a lot of lives so i really really congratulate you for that and that's something you should be proud of mate for sure
1: thanks mate and as i say or as you said that i'm just looking at the wall here and i've got a um, on the wall a sign that i created in 1974 uh sorry 1975 it was i think ron Ron barassi gave me this quote and it says this losers live the classic lie in the neverland called sunday isle Winners live a day as if they're last, not in the future nor in the past, and someday becomes now. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: So get on with it now.
0: Yeah, mate, yeah. Hell, hell, that's uh, ancient wisdom for modern times, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, we we're, sure ne- we're never going to get today back, so let's go and do something today that we're uh, able to uh, you know, make a contribution and uh, put a smile on our face at the end of it, so... That's it, mate. Really, really appreciate your time, Rick. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we're gonna have more chats in the future. No, I've got you now. Got you now. So uh, yeah, really appreciate your uh, your time, and uh, mate. um, Yeah, strap yourself in and uh, behave yourself. And I think the the rest of the journey is going to be pretty magnificent for you. So good on you.
1: Thanks, Hazard, and well done on what you're doing, mate. And good luck with everything in the future. And um, wish everyone well. See you, mate.
0: See ya. Cheers.